When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the second edition of Ealing Road Buzz, our Get West London podcast on all things Brentford. My name's Robert Warlow, I'm joined today by Tom Moore, our digital club writer for Brentford. Hello. And also Ryan O'Donovan, who covers Fulham for Get West London as well. Hello Rob. Oh yeah, you're right. So, it's been a great week for Brentford, um, three wins in the space of a week, two, two since our last podcast, away at Birmingham and at home to Leeds United. Tom, great for Brentford at the moment, could it? Oh, it's great fun at the moment. I think uh, going to Birmingham, facing uh, two of the club's old players in uh, Maxime Conan and Hotter, with Hardy Dean on the bench, and uh, coming away with all three points was uh, quite spectacular. It was a shame to see uh, Max get injured so early on and stretch it off. I saw him after the game, and uh, he didn't seem in a in a good way. He was leaving on crutches and didn't didn't seem that good. I saw Harley as well after he came over to shake my hand, which I know he's taken a lot of criticism, but it shows the type of character he is and what a nice guy he is as well. And uh, obviously to win there, having seen three players depart, it really was uh, one that uh, I saw as one that would properly silence the uh, critics of the club, especially at the back end of August. And it in a way justifies what the uh, club do in the transfer window it's quite clear how they operate everyone's been knows, should know it by now as if a player's in their final year of their contract uh, then they they will go if they're not going to sign a new deal That that's always been the way and they will sign a player that they believe can uh, slot in and uh, replicate the job they've done and probably with the potential to get even better much like the club did by bringing someone like Ollie Watkins in he's replaced Totter and uh, I must say that the Spaniard probably hasn't been missed, certainly at the start of the season. He wasn't at the form he was in February, March, and uh, Watkins has come in and done really well. It was a very cool penalty from him on uh, Wednesday. The less said about Saturday's one, the, the better, but then he uh, changed his technique. He, his on Wednesday, he was sort of, he'd stood facing Dan Bentley's goal before the referee blew his whistle, turned around and took it, whereas on Saturday he was... He had his eye on the goal, which uh, was a noticeable change in his setup, and um, part and I think that was part part of the reason why he missed because he he changed what he'd done there uh, mm. that has been so successful to him all all, all along. So uh, no, it was a great great to see uh, picking up three points at Birmingham and then uh, following it up against Leeds on the telly. I mean, it was a a gift of a goal for Neil Mopai, but then uh, Dan Bentley. Uh, did, did the exact same thing as Andy Lonergan for uh, Leeds' equaliser, which was a, a bit strange. I've not seen two goalkeepers make pretty much the same mistake in dropping across. They would they would be expecting to catch. I've not I've not seen two goalkeepers on opposite sides do that in a in a game 
and at the same end. And then uh, obviously Jan Barbe's free kick. Lonergan probably will feel he should have done better with that. It went under him, but it was one of those perfectly executed free kicks that's in that danger zone where you where you feel a player can attack it, but if nobody gets a touch on it, it'll end up in the net. And then Ryan Woods' goal, what a finish that was! That he just sidestepped that into the net, and it was it was it was great to see. I think uh, what the, the horrors that he's been through in his in his life this year are indescribable really to to understand what fully what what that would have been like but and to see him essentially release a lot of the pain and suffering he 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 would have gone through he ran straight to the area where the uh, the fam where the players families sit clearly to uh, to to celebrate with them and then sort of when he pointed to the sky that was a really emotional moment and you could see that the emotion had pretty much got got the better of him as well, and it was it was re- it was really touching to to see the way that that goal in particular was uh, celebrated by all concerned. But in terms of the results, I mean, three three wins in a row, three different challenges against the you know Preston, Birmingham, and, and Leeds. Obviously, Preston, Leeds both have been going well this season. Birmingham struggling towards the, the foot, foot of the table, but. For Brentford to go and pick up nine points out of that week, I mean, it's a great return and it must lift the spirits and confidence levels sort of going into this break. I mean, the, the weird thing is, is I don't think Brentford have played as well as they did in sort of August, September time I, I, when, they, when they weren't getting the uh, results. I, I feel they were dominating the games a lot more in, in that period, but the results weren't coming. I, I, is it, it's, it's quite strange. I think it, what, what's happened really, the change has been is opponents aren't uh, sticking the ball in the top corner I think the one I would cite is say the Nottingham Forest game at the start of the season where Bushalakis I think his name is if I remember correctly stuck two in the top corner from 25-30 yards Kifton Bell for Birmingham takes one from 35-40 yards it rattles the crossbar it's those things it uh, now having gone against Brentford pretty much every week in August time they're now sort of those small moments are are now bouncing Brentford's way, so there, there is that. But I suppose from the Brent perspective, is now they're they're taking their chances. I mean, the the amount of times I ended up writing, Brentford were made to pay for missed chances was was ridiculous. I was trying to find new and novel ways of uh, writing it, uh, and I was running out of those as well. So uh, I, I think it's more about taking the chances as well, and when when they've been presented to you, and that that is probably been the thing is they've been a bit more ruthless in both boxes and that's uh, led to the uh, results being improved although the, the performances have either not been to that high stand to to some of the ones they're doing in August, September but they've certainly been performing well and uh, are worthy climbing the table and you'd certainly see them as a, a side that's certainly now in the mix to uh, Finishing the playoffs, but we all know that you can have a bad run of form, and then you're looking over your shoulder again. That's that's this season's championship. It it it's all about taking advantage of when you're on form. We're bringing Ryan at this point. I mean, as Tom's just said, there the championship is is such a tight division, isn't it? And you know, Brentford are right nine games unbeaten, but three wins in a row, and look, they're up to you know mid table, having been sort of. You know, talked about as being one of the sides that, that were struggling towards the, the foot. You know, a couple of weeks ago, even though the results, you know, they, they were on an unbeaten stretch. Yeah, I think the championship proves this season that anyone can beat anyone. But you mentioned people saying at the start of the season about Brentford, you know, 
tipping them to go down and stuff. They were never really in any danger of going down because the team they've acquired with their recruitment is is too good to go down. You know, they just weren't having results go their way. So if you saw Brentford play in the early part of the season, like Tom said, they were playing extremely good football. They just weren't getting the results. And now it's changed to the fact that they're playing good football, but they're actually hitting the back of the net, which, which just wasn't happening. So, you know, I think the championship is all about that this season. People are going through purple patches at different times. I mean, look at the club I cover, Fulham. They're having a horrid, horrid run at the moment. But at the start of the season, you know, it, it, it wasn't great, but they're still getting out results, but they're not now. So I think it's, it's the same with Bolton. Bolton were doing horrid and now they've got a run of results too. And same with QPR. They were, weren't were doing great and they were unbeaten until Saturday's 4-0 loss. So it's the same all over the Championship. You know, you can put together a good run and all of a sudden you find yourself in the playoff places. Obviously, Brentford, you know, nine games unbeaten, that's not to be sniffed at in the Championship. You know, I mean, with the games sort of midweek, you know, Saturday quite often, it, it, it's a quick turnaround between games and to, to go, you know, get that sort of form going, it's pretty good. Yeah, definitely. There's a huge credit for what they've done this season. I think Brentford at the moment, along with maybe Wolves, the team you don't want to face in that Championship because you know they've got good players, they've got good young, hungry players and they're going to put together a, a result. So I think, you know, I don't know whether you could say the international breaks maybe come at the wrong time because they're on such a good run of form. They just want to keep going. But now they've got the two-week break. So it'll be interesting to see how they come back from that after the break. But, you know, the way they've been playing the last couple of months, there's no reason why they can't carry on this run. And obviously at the moment, they're, uh, they're currently the, the highest-placed West London side, aren't they? They are, yeah, as Tom is taking great pleasure in, I think. <laughs> but, you know, it's still early doors. It's only the yeah, start of November. You know, I, I think... It'll be between Brentford and Fulham who finishes top out of West London clubs this season. I don't think QPR are going are gonna to finish higher than either of them, but the way Brentford are going at the moment, you wouldn't put it past them to finish the highest come the end of the season. And Tom, what, what, what is the realistic ambition you know, within the camp at the club? What, what, what do they think they can achieve? I think uh, playoffs is what they fit, probably feel they can achieve. I think you can probably find a, a fair few clubs that would be saying that as well. I think they're in that pack of sides that could, could finish certainly third or third, fourth, fifth, sixth, but they could also just as easily finish sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth. Is that is the championship, is they are in they're in a large pack and all it depends is form. I mean, obviously the the international break when you've won three in a row, you probably want to be playing Tuesday Tuesday Saturday. Mm. But then the start of the uh, unbeaten run came before the last uh, international break with a win at Bolton who Certainly looked like a side that were going to be at the foot of the table for for the season. A draw with Derby, which uh, they really should have won. They absolutely battered them for uh, the best part of 90 minutes. And uh, a draw on the road with Middlesbrough with uh, a very in very difficult circumstances, seeing Rico Henry stretched off. You had uh, Chris Meppen making his first start in the Championship. And they had a lot of injuries, especially defensively. And it was almost seen when... The team went out was how many would Middlesbrough win by, but then Brentford go and take a, a two-all draw from the the Riverside. So it, it shows that they're a team that's got good heart and good character, and that that's certainly been the thing. Is over the whole season, I've not seen any difference between how the players have acted after winning three in a row to how they're acting in. September when they hadn't won a game until till Bolton is that they were exactly the same through the whole thing is they clearly believed in what they were doing and that's the thing is they do believe in their methods and it is almost shown that it is right to believe in your methods when you can see that performances are there I mean clearly a lot of fans a lot of 
reporters, etc., will look at the run of results and you see, oh, they've not won in however many games or they've lost the last few. Is the manager under pressure? Well, the results can mask the performances. I remember many, many years ago, it was December 2009, Brentford travelling to MK Dons, getting battered for uh, 90 minutes. I think Wojciech Szczesny had uh, one of the best games I've seen. And uh, Brentford had one shot, Charlie McDonald sticks it in the net and they walk away 1-0 winners. That can happen. And everyone goes, oh yes, the results are great. But the performance, you almost have to look at that. And that that's the thing is, performances are what Brentford look at. And that's it's all about that process. And the results will fluctuate because you can have an unlucky game. You can have a lucky game but if you put the performance in you'll by and large get the result that you deserve so that that's what they focus on and I think if you look at this the championship is there are question marks about pretty much every side in this division is the clear weaknesses I mean you look at say so a team like Fulham is one of the things that led to them being so good last year was the form of Tom Kearney he ran the show for Fulham He's clearly been having injury issues this this season and uh, it's uh, clearly affected them and they've not yet hit top gear. I mean, a fit Tom Kearney is up there with the best in the league. Mm. So if he was fully fit, you would expect Fulham to uh, start picking up results. So it can all depend on, on a bit of luck, having a bit of luck with injuries. Brentford haven't necessarily had that luck. We saw Henrik Dalsgaard have to, unfortunately have to pull out of the... Uh, Denmark squad to face the uh, Republic of Ireland in the World Cup playoff, and it just leaves Andreas Bjelland as the only uh, as the the only one of Brentford's Danes in in that squad. And um, f- fingers crossed, uh, he can he can help them to uh, to Russia next year. I'd like I'd like to see uh, see Denmark do it. I'd like to see as many Brentford players go to the World Cup as possible. And I think uh, Denmark certainly are going to provide a more certain pick than uh, the Republic of Ireland, given that Martin O'Neill didn't call up John Egan. If Ireland made it to the World Cup, I'd love to see John Egan go. If Alan Judge comes back sort of in the next few months and can earn himself a spot of the World Cup, I'd love to see him go. So if Ireland make it, I'd be rooting for the, for them to uh, reach the World Cup. But I think uh, Denmark probably present the best chance of seeing a Brentford player at a World Cup. And uh, I don't think many people have seen that. If anyone's seen it, I, I can't recall a, a, Brent, a player contracted to Brentford playing at a, at a World Cup. Certainly, even at the Euros last year, there were no Brentford players involved in the tournament. There were more former players playing for Northern Ireland, certainly. So I think it will certainly be uh, interesting to see how Andreas gets on uh, in, the, in those uh, big games. What sort of uh, games do you expect? I think you know, it would be... Uh Tight affair, I guess, with, with with the way that you know, naturally, with with it being a playoff match. I think you would you would expect the first the first leg to be a very very cagey. That you is you can't really win a playoff tie in the first leg. You can only lose it, and you can't go gung ho lose three four nil, and then you're pretty much done for that for that second for the second game. It's just a coronation. So you've got to make sure you don't make mistakes at the back. And the thing is, the, the, everyone knows what the prize is for, for for that game. It's a chance to play on the world stage. Mm. And everyone knows how how much that would mean to both countries. Is 
they've not been regular qualifiers at major tournaments in in recent years. I know Ireland's played it at the Euros last year, Denmark missed out. So they're, they're, they'll be looking, both both of them will be looking to get, get to the World Cup. Obviously, Ireland haven't had that that regular experience at, at, a, at a World Finals for a while. I think their last, uh, last foray to a World Cup was uh, Japan in 2002 when they when they uh, left with their heads held high, I certainly thought. And they, is, it would be, it, it would always be good to see uh, a team from... Uh, Great Britain and, and Ireland re, re, reach the uh, the finals, and I've got my fingers crossed for for Northern Ireland. It's just with Ireland playing Denmark is there's potential for three or four players to to go to that World Cup in in Bjelland and Henrik Dalsgaard. Unfortunately, his in, heel injuries ruled him out for this, and then you've got Lasavibe with injury affecting his start to the season, and then you've got the uh, signing to come in January and uh, Marcondes, who's been in great form in the Danish league and. Who knows if that if him and Lasso not had that much joy in getting in the squad recently? Uh, if they go on a, a run in, in the second half of the season, they can earn a place in in Russia themselves. So it, it will certainly be an interesting uh, couple of games. I think uh, I think maybe we could see a bit of banter though between the likes of Lasso and John Egan, and certainly on maybe on social media this week there, there'll certainly be a, be a few words flying around between them. I'm quite sure. How do you see that, Ryan? It's uh, for, for Brentford, as Tom's saying, if, if they, were, they were to have some players at the World Cup, I mean that's quite a quite a thing for you know championship sides to to have you know more than one, particularly in within one squad. Yeah, I mean you've got to look at it, Brentford. You know, ten years ago, League Two, League One. If anyone told you then that they'd have players in the World Cup, they probably would have laughed at you. So to have for Brentford alone, not like regardless of whether they're a championship club, for Brentford to have players at a World Cup it'd be a great achievement for them and it would show how far along they've come in the last 10 years How do you see those games panning out between Republic of Ireland and Denmark? Well, everyone knows my feelings I couldn't care less if the Brentford players get there because <laughs> you know, Ireland are going to do it so it's fine <laughs> um, Do you see it being cagey affairs though? Yeah both games are going to be cagey you know the first one Martin O'Neill is going to go out and look for a draw like that, that's how Ireland play that's what players are suited to we're not on attacking sides he's going to look out he's going to look for the draw he's going to keep hopefully try and keep a clean sheet it's probably going to be one of the most defensive performances we've seen of the whole qualifying campaign. And then to bring it back to the Aviva, you know, cheered on by 50,000 odd Irish people at nil-nil, you know, it's going to be the exact same as that Wales game. They're going to look to invite pressure onto them, hit them on the break. We beat Germany at the Aviva doing the same thing. We beat Wales last month doing the same thing. You know, we can beat Denmark doing that. Um, obviously, with it being international break, there's no Brentford fixture this week, but... As Ryan said earlier, Tom, do you think you know what, what sort of impact will that have on Brentford given the form that they're in? I don't think it can really have a ma- major impact. It will allow a few players to maybe ice a few injuries and uh, t- take a, a bit of a breather, as it were, get, get get a bit of time away with the families. And I think the thing is, is we know that after this break, it's a long old slog mm. through the Christmas period. You've then got the FA Cup. You've got a lot of fixtures now between now and the, the following international break mm. uh, I think March April time so, certainly it's sort of back end of March it normally is and I think that's uh, a big thing is it is now about trying to just get that final bit of rest mm. because it is a long old slog I think it's, uh, it's the winter period is, is one that can almost make or break a side is you, you'll know where you are by the time 
you get to the next break, you'll know if you've got anything, if you've got promotion or playoffs or t- the title or survival to uh, yeah. to play for, or whether you're, you're just playing to get get as many points as you can. Because uh, players hate the phrase "nothing to play for." I remember Dan Bentley last year. Even the very suggestion that Burton had more to play for than Brentford, he uh, he went on a good a good rant about how he hates the phrase "nothing to play for," and uh, he 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 despises it with everything in his <laughs> his, his, his body. So uh, you'll never see someone like him say, "Oh, there's nothing to play for." Is there's always something to play for, even at that back end? But I think that they'll be happy just to sort of be able to see their families. Remember. These players don't really get much of a chance to see their families over over the Christmas period when all a lot of other areas of work and a lot of other careers you do get a chance to spend a bit of time with your family. They don't get as much of a chance. I know Dean Smith gives the players Christmas Day off, whatever happens, that's always been his policy, mainly because he feels that the players don't want to be there. So let's face it, it's Christmas Day, would you want to be at work? Yeah. So uh, he, he's aware of that, so that's why he gives them Christmas Day off, but obviously they will have a, a strict dietary requirement to, to fit in as well, so uh, it, it swings and roundabouts. So it's, it's one that you always look at the break, is it, is it our team's losing, they, they, they can maybe do at the break, and certainly... I've seen it turn around for Brentford in an international break when Lee Carsley took over in uh, October time 2015. I've seen that turn around and they they had a great record after international breaks in that season. I think off the top of my head they won all but one of the games after an international break in that, in that season. So the break certainly did them good there. And obviously afterwards it's a trip to Cardiff. They'll be smarting after losing to Bristol City. It's a Neil Warnock team as well, and that's always going to be tough. It doesn't matter when you play a Neil Warnock team, whether it's Cardiff, whether it's been Rotherham, or whether it was QPR. Neil Warnock teams are tough to face, whoever you are. He's, for me, he's arguably the best manager in this division because he's done it. He's performed at a consistent level for so long. So it doesn't matter really about. The international break, you could say, look at it, but you've also got to look at the team you're facing afterwards, and it's pretty much one of the hardest teams you can face in in, in a division is a, a Neil Warnock side, and that's no disrespect to Cardiff, is and they've obviously had a great start, so it it will certainly be be a tough game, whatever happens uh, in a, about ten days' time. And as you mentioned, it, it is a congested schedule, isn't it? Once they do get back, so you know it's, it's Cardiff and. I believe it's Burton and QPR coming up as well. Yes, it, is it, is it never seems to... Is it, is, it's not as intense as, sort of say, the September period, which was Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. It is, you do get more Saturdays to Saturdays, but then when you've got Cardiff, then you've got Burton, then you've got a Monday night game with QPR, then you've got a West London derby with Fulham, then you've got a trip to Hull. Is it all... It still just carries on, is it? It's not. There's no real. You don't really get the sense of. You get. Is it just? It's constant. And the thing is, is it? It's like a treadmill. Is you've just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. Mm. Where and that is where the slog comes in. Is I, I view. They always say the season is a marathon, not a sprint. I don't. 
is that's the whole season. I view the season as sprint break, sprint break, sprint break, slog, break, sprint. Is you've got to almost isolate it into those little small chunks that you have at the start of the season, but then you've got a very very long slog and. It can all change as we we've seen certainly in in this country in uh, December January time we could get a load of snow and that causes chaos to the fixture schedule. I remember in uh, 2010 I think there were loads of uh, rearranged fixtures due to the excessive amount of snow that we had in in the country. I think Arsenal's games were even called off due to the surrounding area. So. It's not beyond the realms of fantasy that that can happen during the slog and then it, you're just congesting it up at the back end. Well, I guess then Brentford's players and I'm sure yourself, Tom, as well, will be using this break to recharge your batteries and ready for it and then uh, all back to it, all hands on deck and the, to the pump for uh, for that slog. So we'll uh, we'll end our podcast here then for uh, for this week and we'll be back next week to preview those games against Cardiff, Burton and uh, looking even further ahead to QPR Fulham. Uh, thanks to Ryan and to Tom for joining me today and uh, thank, you. thank you for listening uh, we'll be back as I said next week with our third episode of the Eating Road Buzz mm-hmm.